We're in Ephesians 6 tonight as we continue in our series on the Christian home, the family. And uh, I really just want to take some time tonight and deal with the issue of uh, <clears throat> raising our children to be obedient. And this is really uh, something that I believe is often neglected in our society today. And sadly, even among a lot of Christian people, uh, as you watch uh, families with their children, uh, and there's just a lot of times not an expectation of obedience. Now, I will say this from the outset. I am fully aware that my children are in the room. And so this is not being preached to you from a standpoint of, I've got all this figured out, and so, you know, do exactly as I do. But I want to look tonight into the scriptures and just see what God has to say about raising children and the expectation of obedience in children. So if you're in Ephesians 6, let's stand together one last time tonight as we read the scripture, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says here, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I want to just continue reading just a little bit here. It says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight would you just help us to understand the truth that you have for us and to apply it in our lives. I pray that you would help each of us here as parents uh, to know how to raise our children according to this passage of scripture in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I pray that you'd help all of the young people here to understand the importance of submission and obedience to their parents. And Lord, may we honor you in this way. Speak to us through your word tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Without getting too critical of our present times and society or too nostalgic about the past, I think most of us could probably agree that there was a time in the history of this nation and probably throughout most of the world where parenting styles looked a lot different than what we see today. And even among lost people, among people that didn't know the Lord, there was some degree of expectation of honor and obedience coming from children to the parents. And somewhere along the line, things changed, and, and we could talk about some of the historical uh, reasons for that and, and, and societal reasons for that. But the reality is that much of the world today has really no concept of raising children in a way that they would live in obedience and honor to their parents. And sadly, even among Christian people and even within our churches, this philosophy has crept in where the primary motivation, the primary goal of raising children is just for them to be happy. And, and I, I want you to know that as a parent, if you're here today and you have a, a child or children, your responsibility to your children is more than just to make them happy or just to make sure that their physical needs are being met and their emotional needs are being met. You have been entrusted by God 
with this life, and you are to train them and teach them to do as they ought to do. And so this passage of Scripture really starts off addressing the children. He changes from uh, addressing husbands and wives in the previous chapter to now the attention is turned to children, and he addresses the children first. And I want you to notice this commandment. Young people, be listening. Most of you probably know this verse, can even quote it. And what does it say? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I want, I want you to notice that this is not a suggestion from the Lord. This isn't just uh, an instruction that says, hey, you'd be better off if you did this. This is a commandment from God that you are to obey your parents. And whether you are 2, 3, 4 years old, or if you're 14, 15, 16, 17, living at home in your parents' house, guess what? You have a responsibility, a commandment from God to obey them to follow their leadership, to follow their guidance in your life, to do as you are told. This is a clear command from Scripture. And I want you to notice also that it says that you are to do this not simply in your own strength or in your own ability, but it specifically says in the Lord. You are to obey your parents with the Lord's help. And that means just like your parents are to wake up in the morning and ask the Lord, help me to be a good father today, help me to be a good mother and to do what you have called me to do, young person, you ought to wake up in the morning and say, would you, Lord, help me today to obey and to honor my father and my mother as, as I've been commanded to do? Now, that's not always an easy thing. In fact, the reality is that every one of us at some point in our life has broken this commandment. I like to think growing up as a child, I was a pretty good kid. I, I, I really did uh, the, the best that I could to try and, and, and honor my parents and do those things, but the reality is that I did not always succeed in that. And I have the scars to prove it. And, uh, and no, I'm kidding. But, but the reality is that we all have failed in that, yet we are commanded by God to do that. Notice also... In verse number 2, he says, honor thy father and thy mother. So this is more than just a command to comply, to do as you are told, but actually it has to do with obeying from the heart. It has to do with a, a desire to please. And young people, I hope you understand this. Teenagers, I hope you understand this tonight. You don't only have the responsibility to obey and do as you are told, but you have the responsibility to do so with an attitude that is pleasing to your parents. In a way, in a manner that would bring them honor, with respectfulness, with a heart that says, I want to please you. Now, now I have seen and, and, and experienced and probably been guilty of it myself at times, doing what I am supposed to do outwardly, but inwardly in my heart, not really being in it, maybe having a bad attitude. We've, we've had to deal at times with, with some of our children in, in their facial expressions and, and eye rolls and things of that nature. Parents tell me I'm not alone in that. But see, the issue is you might be willing to comply, but are you willing to honor? Are you willing to truly respect the parents that God has put in your life? And let me tell you why you ought to do that. As we read on here, verse number 5 addresses the issue of servants and masters. And he says that servants are to obey their masters 
with fear and trembling in singleness of heart as unto Christ. Now, we could take this in, in modern day terms and say this, employees, when you go to work tomorrow morning, you ought to work not just for your boss to please your boss, but you ought to do the very best that you can do because you're doing it not for your boss, but for the Lord. And this is just someone that God has put in your life in a position of authority, in a position of leadership, but really in honoring and obeying your master according to the flesh, you are actually honoring the Lord. So when you get up tomorrow and you go to work, remember that in your heart. You say, well, I don't like my boss. Well, don't do it for your boss. Do it for the Lord. All right, so in, in verse 5, he says that that's how a, an employee is to treat his employer. But look at verse 6. Notice what he says. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Now he's here not just talking to servants obeying their masters. This is all in context of what he's been talking about. This goes all the way back to chapter 5 when we're told uh, that we are to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. It deals with the wife submitting to her husband as unto the Lord. It deals with the children submitting to their parents. It deals with the, the servants obeying their masters. All of these things. What is he saying? When you are obeying God's command to do this, you are not only honoring the earthly authority that God has put in your life, but you are honoring God himself. Young people, hear me on this. You cannot be right with God and be in rebellion against mom and dad. It, it doesn't work. And by the way, parents, if you see your children with a heart of rebellion, here's what you can know. That rebellion is not only against you, it's against God. And there is a spiritual problem at the root. And so the, the, the commandment is, listen... From your heart, you need to obey the authority that God has put in your life. I tell my kids this all the time. We, we, we talk about these things and, and, and I'll say to them, listen, you need to learn to submit to me as your father. Not because I am always right. Not because I am somehow worthy and deserving. But you need to learn to submit to me as your father because I am the authority that God has put in your life and by learning to submit to me, you will learn to submit to God. And so, parents, this issue of obedience in our children is far more important than just simply we want them to behave when we're in the grocery store and not embarrass us or inconvenience us. This is a very big issue because it really comes down to the fact we want our children to grow up and learn to submit to God and obey God. But the parents, father and mother, are the ones that God has put in their life from the time of birth to learn what it means to obey and to submit. So this is an important issue. And notice also that he says... That this commandment, verse number 2, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. If you go back and you read the Ten Commandments, God gives commands, the first four are in relation to our obedience to him. The next six are, uh, have to do with our dealings with one another, other people. The first one in that section is that of honoring parents and he says in Exodus 20 and verse number 12, 
Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. In Ephesians 6 and verse 3 says that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. In other words, this commandment to honor your father and your mother is connected with a promise from God. And that promise is long life. Now that does not mean, please let me be clear, that does not mean that every person who dies a premature death it's a result of their dishonoring of their parents. That's not what that implies. But the idea, the concept is this. God blesses obedience. God blesses obedience. And if you want, notice, notice it's not just that you may live long on the earth, but he says that it may be well with thee. That, 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 that life might go the way it ought to go. You know, the Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. If you want, young people, if you want a good life, if you want life to go smoothly, this is no guarantee you won't have problems or difficulties. But if you want a good life, learn to submit to authority. Seriously. There are so many people that we could point to today that are sitting in a prison cell somewhere that their life would be a whole lot better if they would have just learned to submit to authority. God blesses obedience. And so he's saying this is, this is not only important for your parents young people this isn't just obey your parents so that they stay off your case this is actually a commandment that's connected with a promise and he says listen if you want a good life you need to honor the authority i put in your life submit to me by submitting to earthly authority that's the idea behind this now understanding this to be the case parents that god blesses obedience that submission to God begins with submission to mom and dad, then we have to take from that that any loving parent will expect and demand submission and obedience out of our children. Not because of cruelty or arrogance, but out of love. If you love your child and want what is best for them, then you need to teach them to obey. Because if they never learn to obey, their life is not going to go well for them. So this is a very important issue. So he gives this command to start off the chapter, verses 1 through 3. But then he gives a caution in verse number 4. I want you to notice this. It says, and ye fathers. Now, now he turns the attention away from the children and he addresses the fathers. And this is what he says. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I find it interesting that here that before he gives an instruction to parents of what to do, he first tells them what not to do. And he makes it very clear that it is absolutely a possibility to raise our children in such a way that we would actually provoke them to wrath and rebellion. It is possible for us as parents to cultivate an environment that actually fosters rebellion. And he says, don't do that. Don't provoke your children to wrath. Now, there are several different cr contributors to rebellion. And I want to say this as well, that not, it's not like a, uh, you could be a perfect parent and still have a rebellious child. That, that is absolutely a possibility. They have free will. 
God is a perfect father and he has rebellious children. We have free will. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have a rebellious child. But the, the point of this and the idea of this is that we should never be the cause of that rebellion. That our actions, our behavior, our parenting style, whatever it is, the, the way that we raise our children should not be the contributing factor that causes or drives them toward rebellion. In fact, the, the, the behavior of parents ought to be that which really draws them back from rebellion. After all, is it not the love of Christ that constraineth us? We love him because he first loved us. Were it not for the love and grace and mercy of God, we would not be right with God today. And he, as our perfect father, sets this example for us. We, but we need to seek to not be a stumbling block to our children. Can I just... This, this is not a complete list by any means tonight, but I would like to just point out to you several issues that I have seen and observed in the lives of, uh, within families and, 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 uh, and among parents that have been a negative influence in their children's lives that has actually worked to drive their children in the way of rebellion or to provoke them unto wrath, as it says here. Let me just give you a few of these. Number one, rules without reasons. Setting rules without reasons. I think a lot of times we focus, parents, on the issue of obedience and that obedience being immediate. And, and that's absolutely right. And I already emphasized this, so don't misunderstand me what I'm saying. Your children need to learn to obey and they need to do as they're told, whether or not they understand. And because I said so is a good enough reason for them to obey. However, because I said so in and of itself is not going to win the heart of your children. I believe that God wants us to have very high standards within our homes. We are to be separate. We are to be holy as he is holy. And we are to be distinct from the world. And the reality is if you're doing what you ought to be doing in your home, and your family, your children are going to have questions as to why are we not like the rest of the world? Why are things different? And it is, a, it is true that we ought to teach our children from a very young age, listen, obey right away. You don't have to have a reason to do as you are told. However... Remember, please remember, parents, that you ought to always be ready to give a reason and help them to understand. Because the goal with our children is not simply to get them to conform as long as they are in our house. The goal with our children is to teach them and help them to make right decisions even when they're no longer under our authority. That they would make right decisions and embrace truth. And if there's something that is important enough in our, in our home to say we're going to do things this certain way, it is then important enough to teach our children the reason behind that. It's important enough to teach our children this is why we do it this way. Rules without reasons. Listen, there might be things in our home where uh, maybe I don't necessarily have a great reason. Uh, you know, hey, I don't wear orange socks. Why? Because I don't like them. Okay, that might be okay, but, but if they grow up and wear orange socks, that's not going to kill anything, you know? Now, I don't have a problem with orange socks, just in case anybody's wondering. All right, I'm, just, I'm just using a silly example. 
But if it's something that's important enough that we say this is, this is important, we, we want our children to grasp this truth, we better be willing to do some teaching and instructing and help them to understand the why, the, the reason for the rule. Okay, Rules without reasons can create rebellion. I would say this also, mandates without modeling. In other words, an attitude that says, do as I say, not as I do. Here, here is my expectation for you, but then our children watch us do something entirely different. I want you to behave in this way, but I'm not going to try and hold myself to the same standard. Now, here's the, the reality of that, parents. I know that, that there are times that I teach my children to do something, or I will correct my children for not doing something, and then turn around and later on mess up in that area myself. You know what I need to do? I need to humble myself and go apologize to them and help them to see that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a flawed human being too, but I'm striving to be, to be right with the Lord and be right with my family. But see, when we set ourselves above our children and we have this idea that, well, just, you know, I can do whatever I want, I'm a grown adult, and they just have to do what, what I say, and that's the attitude, listen, I'm telling you, you are creating rebellion in your children. Don't set mandates and expectations for your children if you're not willing to model that yourself. That's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy never works in terms of leadership. Rules without reasons, mandates without modeling. Then I'd say this, uh, discipline without delicacy. Discipline in anger. Giving the impression that the reason that our children are in trouble is because they have angered us, because they have embarrassed us, because somehow their behavior is just annoying to us, those are not reasons to discipline and correct our children. In fact, there are many times as a father that the behavior of my children does incite some frustration and anger in me, and I have to take some time and cool down a little bit and, and, and get my emotions under control before I can deal with the issue. Because we ought not to be disciplining our children in anger ever. Discipline needs to come from a place of love, not a place of contempt. Rules without reasons, mandates without modeling, discipline without delicacy, and then I would say this, commandments without consistency. Sometimes we misapply, you know, things, okay, we're going we're gonna to set this rule, this expectation, and then that's going to last for about two hours, and then we're just not going to follow through on that. Or, you know, we set this particular rule for this child and not for this one. We could talk about favoritism as well. We're not going to take the time to do that tonight. But I'm just saying one of, the, one of the keys, I really believe one of the keys to parenting is just be consistent. Work on being consistent. Follow through. And it's not always convenient. That's the thing. You, you can't be a good parent if you're lazy. Because it's not always convenient to have to deal with things in a certain time. But you, you've seen it, I've seen it, you're in line at the grocery store, some little snot-nosed kid in front of you is begging their mom for a candy bar, and she says, I want this candy bar, and the mom says, no. By the way, just remember this, as soon as you say no, 
you've, you've set the bar not only for your child, but also for yourself. And it might be harder for you to stick with that decision than it is for them. But you've said no. And what happens? No. Please? No. Mom, I want it. No. And over and over and over, and pretty soon the kid starts throwing a fit, and this situation starts to get volatile and out of control, and what happens? Fine. Put it up there. What did you just teach the child? You just taught that child if you throw a fit long enough, if you're persistent enough, you can get what you want. The lack of consistency. I'm just telling you that's not a good thing. I, as someone, this isn't original to me, but someone I, I heard uh, years ago, I don't know who it originated with, but they spoke of the ABCs of parenting. And, and I think these things are simple. Number one, A, always win. Always win. What does that mean? In, when it comes to an issue in, in your home, you need to be the one that comes out doing what you said you were going to do. Now that might sound, I know that might sound to some as being arrogant, but it's not. Our children need to learn that what we say is what goes. I remember a time when one of our children, I won't mention who, he was very young and uh, kind of entered that stage, you know, about two years old. And you know how they kind of start to test the limits sometimes in those toddler years. And man, I remember times Sunday morning, we'd be leaving for church and putting him in his car seat and he would start arching his back and fighting. And it, try and deal with it there and it just, it wouldn't happen. Okay, out of the car, back in the house, the rest of the family's in the car, and we're dealing with this. And I'm telling you, this particular child is stubborn and thick-headed as they come. And we'd go round and round and round. And there was more than one time that we were late for church, at least late for when I wanted to be there, because we had to deal with this situation. But I'm thankful that I was able to recognize i got to win this. I can't let them get away with behaving this way. Letter A, always win. Letter B, be gentle. Be gentle with your children. Uh, our children need to understand that while there is a firmness and that there are consequences for wrong actions, they need to never... Our children ought to be fear, have a, a fear of their parents, but they should never be afraid of their parents. Does that make sense? Our children should never be afraid. The safest place that they should feel is in their parents' arms. Be gentle. Now, I remember times that my dad used to drive a pickup truck, and when he would pull in the driveway, I would get a sinking feeling in my stomach because of something I knew that I was going to have to face the consequences for something. And I'm telling you, there was a fear there, but I'm thankful I was never afraid of my father. I was never afraid to be in his presence. I was never afraid to be around. I never had a fear that he was going to harm me. Be gentle with your children. Be firm, but be gentle. Always win, be gentle. And then as we spoke of, consistency is key, letter C. So there's, there's a command, there's a caution, but then I want you to notice that he does give instruction about correction. He addresses the issue of correction. Notice what he says in verse number 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
So don't provoke your children to wrath, but, but that does not mean that you don't discipline. Because he says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I want to show you what the Bible says about biblical discipline. Let's go back to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 13. Proverbs chapter 13 tonight. Some people have taken these truths and they have assumed then that there's never a time that a child needs to be corrected physically. There is a big pushback against corporal punishment uh, sadly, even among Christian people, but I want you to know that that is not God's plan. Proverbs 13 and verse number 24, notice these words. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. That word betimes means while there is still time, when it's early there is a place for loving correction of a physical nature. And the Bible refers to that as the rod of chastening, the chastening rod. I think you understand that that, that is an application of physical pain in order to bring about obedience. Okay, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. Listen, someone who says, I love my kids too much. I would never lay a finger on them because I love them too much. That's not what God said. God said that that attitude is actually one of hatred because the loving thing to do is to chasten them betimes, while there is time, when it is early. Now, again, I'm going to go back to this issue, never in anger. Never in anger. To discipline your child with corporal punishment because you're angry and frustrated is the definition of abuse. Don't abuse a child. God said that the one who offends one of these little ones, it'd be better for him that a millstone was hanged about his neck. He was cast into the depths of the sea. God is not in favor of abuse He's a defender of the innocent, but he has designed it so that there is a right way in which we can correct our children and apply some physical pain in order to teach the consequences of wrong actions. Now listen, biblical discipline, right discipline may hurt, but it never harms. It may hurt, but it never harms. It may cause some temporary momentary pain, but it never rises to the level of causing damage. Remember that. God may cause hurt, but He never harms. I want to go back to, uh, a little bit forward, Proverbs chapter number 23. Proverbs 23, <clears throat> verse number 13 These words to us kind of don't hit the ears quite right, but understand we're dealing with Old English here. It says, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. 
Now again, this is not saying, when it uses the term beat, it doesn't mean to cause harm. It doesn't mean to abuse. He's not saying take a baseball bat or a two-by-four to your kid. That's not what he's saying. Not at all. What he's saying is there is a place for loving, careful, intentional discipline, physical discipline. God's given a very, he's put on the body of, of children an area that can be carefully, uh, where correction can be applied, where it won't cause any harm. It'll cause a little sting, but no harm. And God says that you need to do this and don't withhold it from your children. It says that thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Now what does that mean? If you spank your kids enough, they're going to go to heaven? No, that's not what that means. But it goes back to that previous concept of teaching our children submission and obedience. Because a person isn't going to go to heaven if they don't learn to submit to God, right? How do you get saved? You come to the Lord in brokenness and repentance. We need to teach our children there are consequences for sin. There are consequences for wrong action. But there is always forgiveness and there is always mercy when there's repentance. And so we model for our children really the way that the Lord deals with us. Now again, let us remember God is merciful in us. He doesn't, or with us. He doesn't deal with us according to his anger. Psalm 103 in verse 10 says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. God doesn't deal with us as his children in, in, in anger against our sin. But he does chasten us, does he not? Hebrews chapter 12, if we be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, he said, then are you bastards and not sons? If you're a child of God, you've experienced this before. Well, you get out of line, you get away from God, and, and the Lord begins to apply some correction that may be painful, but it's always with a purpose. It's always to bring us back to himself. And our goal as parents is to bring about correction in our children, not just simply, you do as I say, but to teach them the right way. To teach them how to submit and obey with the intention of reaching not just their outward obedience, but reaching their heart and ultimately their soul for Christ. And then as we go back to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4, I want to show you that not only is there a command and there's a caution, there's correction, but there's to be cultivation. Notice he says in verse 4 of Ephesians 6, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. To nurture, is that, it's that which promotes growth, education, and instruction. It, it, it's the loving, caring uh, um, way of, of, of bringing our children and teaching and training our children in that which is right. We're to do this. They are to obey in the Lord, but notice it says that we're to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We talk a lot about discipline but can I encourage you parents to maybe go beyond discipline and embrace your role in terms of discipleship? And understand that our biggest responsibility as parents is to try to bring our children to Christ. 
and help them to understand what it means to be saved and then to live as a child of God. We're to model that for them. We're to teach that for them. By the way, the word discipline, it has the same root word as disciple or discipleship. And that really is what we are to be doing as parents. We're to be discipling our children, helping them to grow, to know the Lord and learn what it is to walk with Him and to serve Him. Our goal is not only to make our children good, obedient, and compliant. Our our, our goal with our children ought to be to point them to God and to help them to understand what it is to be godly and to know and to love the Lord. And so parents, can I just encourage you and admonish you tonight that you take this responsibility seriously to understand that your children need to learn to do what is right in obedience and honor, but not simply to make your life easier, not so that other people can compliment you about how great of kids you have, but so that they can come to know the Lord and learn what it is to submit to Him and obey Him and serve Him.